This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jesse Morrison behind the glass. We've got a lot to get to. Man, Jesse, we just did the show two days ago, and it was pretty much 100% Suns talk. And that feels like that was years ago now. I'm glad we're not doing any more basketball talk. I'm ready for other sports. All right, so let's open with basketball. Oh, wait, no, no. We do have a little bit of basketball in here, obviously, with the uh, Olympics getting started. We actually, we got a, a good chunk of basketball in the show now that I look at the show sheet. Uh, we're going to start, though, tonight with uh, with hockey for a couple reasons. One, the NHL draft is going on right now. They are announcing the seventh pick to San Jose, but the Coyotes picked ninth. So they are likely to make their pick here in, uh, in the next five to ten minutes, it looks like. Got five minutes between picks, so we're uh, L.A. picking uh, right now. San Jose just made their pick. So the Coyotes are picking ninth. If you're just driving home and you're like, wait a minute, the Coyotes aren't supposed to have a first-round pick. Well, you're right because they had to forfeit their first-round pick, but uh, they have gotten a new first-round pick. They made a big trade today. As uh, Gambo actually uh, had the story earlier in the day, they ended up making a trade with Vancouver. And so the Coyotes get the ninth pick in the draft tonight. It's coming up, like I said, in like five or ten minutes. They get Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel. None of those guys are like, hey, we're going to build our team around these guys. They're more, I mean, Louis Erickson used to be a good scorer. In fact, he used to score against the Coyotes a lot. But none of those guys are really why Arizona made this trade. Because I've only announced like part of the trade so far. Not only do they get the ninth pick tonight, those three guys, they get a second rounder next year, which is their fifth second round pick for next year. They also get a seventh-round pick in 2023. Now, this is not like their trade with Philadelphia or their trade with the Islanders where they didn't have to give anything up. In fact, unfortunately, they had to give a lot up in this one. They give up Oliver Ekman Larson. I know that gets mixed uh, reaction from people. I know some people, some Coyotes fans are just kind of done with OEL. Other Coyotes fans remember his his great years with this organization and the fact that he's probably going to be in the ring of honor someday. He holds most of the uh, the Coyotes' records for a defenseman and, and some of the other ones just for skaters uh, of any kind, forward or defenseman. So it's going to be weird not having Oliver ekman Larson out there for the Coyotes next season and going forward. The problem is they're trying to rebuild. That contract was rough, and that contract goes for a long time. You know, you look at Oliver's contract, you look at Clayton Keller's contract, and obviously they have high hopes still for Clayton Keller, but – I mean, he's signed for a long time at a similar deal, so they're going to need more consistent production from him. But for Oliver, they tried to trade him last year. I mean, they made that pretty clear. And uh, at this point, sort of just seems like it's the best for everybody. Now, they also had to deal Connor Garland, and that's the one that stings. And and so it puts a little pressure on this pick tonight coming up here in a couple minutes because you gave up the sort of guy in Connor Garland that you'd like to rebuild around. I mean, mid-20s, one of the the most uh, beloved players in the locker room. Connor Garland's been a fan favorite since before he was on the Coyotes. Like when he was in Tucson, even when they just they first drafted him, we would get questions during the broadcast about Connor Garland, and he was two years away from maybe playing. Fifth-round pick, breaks in, and is huge, uh, scoring goals right out of the gate, going to the net, taking pucks off the face, taking pucks everywhere, and having them go into the net. I mean, he's... He's everything that the Coyotes want in that sense. Like, he's a hard worker. He produces. They don't have a lot of consistent point producers on offense. 
his off-season training is is very um, specific in the sense that he will pick something new he wants to work on each year. He did it last year with playmaking, and all of a sudden he was dishing out assists all season. So that's not somebody they necessarily wanted to lose, but the reality of the situation was if they were going to move Oliver Ekman-Larsen's contract, again, six years, uh, they were going to have to trade probably Connor Garland to make it happen, and they did. They get a, a first-round pick, a, a second-round pick next year, and a seventh-round pick in 2023. It's one of those trades where we're not going to know how this works out for the Coyotes for a few years, obviously. I do think Vancouver's going to be happy with their half of the trade, but it's it's the sort of trade that can work out for both sides. And, and I think Oliver Ekman-Larsen, uh, like he personifies that better than than anybody else involved in the trade because he needs a change of scenery, and the Coyotes need to get out from under that contract. And there's obviously a ton of other moving parts when you're throwing in Connor Garland, but you're getting a top 10 pick back. But, uh, but at the center of it, is Oliver ekman Larson and that contract. So the Coyotes traded their captain away today. That's uh, it's not something you do very often, although I'm not sure he would have been the captain next year anyway, but he's been the captain, and he spent his entire career with the Coyotes. So no pressure on that pick. The Coyotes are on the clock right now, four and a half minutes until uh, until they have to make an announcement with the number nine overall pick in tonight's draft. Of course, we will get you that, but right now it's time for the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, there was a moment there where it looked like the Diamondbacks might have their first five-game winning streak of the season. Uh, That moment really was before the game today started, though. So I guess that moment was yesterday when they didn't have a game because today they fell behind 3-0 in the first inning on a Javier Baez 3 on home run. They fell behind at 1.7-0. They end up losing to the Cubs 8-3. Nice day at the plate for Dalton Varsho. He ends up with uh, two hits and three RBI in this one, but those were the only three runs the Diamondbacks scored, and they gave up eight, so that's not ideal. Zach Gallen only goes four innings, walks three, gives up seven. Zach Gallen does not typically do that. His ERA for the season now is 4.80. His record for the season is 1-5. So the D-backs take the hit there. Their four-game winning streak ends and uh, they will get a rematch with the Cubs tomorrow. Merrill Kelly likely to get the uh, the start in that one for Arizona. Over to basketball, not necessarily NBA basketball, kind of, but um, we've got Olympic basketball as soon as Sunday. Team USA and France men's basketball, and that means Devin Booker. It also means Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, who were all supposed to head to Tokyo together today, so that's got to be an interesting flight. It's got to be so awkward if I was Booker. Well, you've got to bond with your teammates that you're going to play with for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. But also, you probably don't want to see those guys at all. So I just don't know where where he's sitting on the plane. Like, is he just away from them? Or is he just like, <laughs> hey, guys, how's it going? Let's be friends now. Yeah. This um, this is what he said the other day after the uh, after game six of the NBA Finals about it. Well, I got to get on a flight in a couple hours, I think, yeah, out to Tokyo, so I'll be on the court soon. And he had uh, he had been asked about it going into game six. You know, what's it going to be like for, look, either, either Booker was going to be coming off a loss in the finals or Middleton and Holiday were going to be coming off a loss. So either way, it was going to be awkward. But, uh, but Booker, I, I like this quote that night where he said, look, if you understand competition, you understand it's nothing personal. And uh, and as of now, it's weird because of, of what we've been you know experiencing for the last two weeks here in the Valley. But Chris Middleton and Devin Booker and Drew Holiday are all teammates as of now for the next couple weeks. 
And uh, like I said, their first game is against France on Sunday. And we didn't have a show yesterday, so we didn't really get to get into this, but the DeAndre Hopkins tweet and then deleted tweet and then uh, second tweet after that where he said he's uh, he's got nine years left in him after originally reacting to the NFL's new policy on unvaccinated players and potential forfeitures where he was like, look, this, uh, this has me questioning my future in this league. Uh, so that's something we'll get into throughout the show tonight. Not even just Hopkins, but, I mean, this is – it could be a policy in the Pac-12 – it wouldn't shock me if other sports adopt this policy. Maybe not all of them, but some of them. And so, you know, this is going to be, it was already a strange 2021, and we're only halfway through it for sports. Better than 2020, certainly, but, uh, but we'll see. I mean, there's there's going to be some, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, going to be some growing pains as we get back into into uh, sports at full strength. I mean, we saw the NFL play all their games last season, and that was that was much more in the middle of things, although I guess... If you want to get into the science of it, everything's unpredictable. But, um, yeah, Hopkins with that reaction, and he wasn't the only one with a negative reaction to it, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it'll bring up uh, you know, some controversy going forward. Lorenzo Alexander was on with Doug and Wolf this morning. We're going to play you back a clip of that because uh, Lowe is, is obviously still very high in the, uh, in the players' union, so he has an interesting perspective on it. But, um, yeah, that's obviously the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to lose DeAndre Hopkins, but that's like the last guy they could lose other than Kyler Murray. All right, we come back. We're going to get into the NBA. There were actually some people that didn't like that Monty Williams went into the Bucks locker room post game. That uh, maybe have a little more insight as to why one. he did. It. Yeah, there's probably like two it's other just ones. Just a mean. Yeah, it really was just a mean. That was so strange. Uh, we'll get you that and the Coyotes pick. It's coming up here in just a second. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, the Coyotes pick is in. They take right wing Dylan Gunther. So that's uh, that's somebody they'll be looking to build this. They're obviously trying to rebuild the offense going forward. Still feel pretty good about what you have on defense with Jacob Chikrin, uh, Victor Soderstrom coming up here, whether it's next season or the year after. You can fill out the rest of your defense with some uh, some veterans. They may bring Alex Goligoski back even, something like that. But uh, up front, they got some work to do, and their first step to doing that, this is really the first draft pick of the Bill Armstrong era because he got the job like right before the draft last year to the point where he wasn't allowed to have input on the draft because he had had so much input on St. Louis as they prepared for the draft. So he wasn't even allowed to, to make picks last year. He trades up today. It's a big trade-up because you give up Oliver Ekman-Larsen and Connor Garland. You get a bunch of other pieces, a couple other picks, uh, some players that, I mean, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel have all been impact players in this league. I don't know how much the Coyotes are going to be leaning on them big picture, but uh, obviously the uh, the two main points to that trade for the Coyotes were getting rid of, of uh, Oliver Ekman-Larsen's contract and getting this top 10 pick, which they just used on right wing Dylan Gunther. So that pretty, uh, I've seen him projected in the top five for this draft. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, this, this year's NHL draft is weird because a lot of the junior leagues didn't get to play very much. So like Gunther played for the Edmonton Oil Kings last year, 12 games, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's just, it's just things are, it's a lot of limited scouting certainly for, uh, for this year's draft class in the NHL. But look, Coyotes weren't even supposed to pick. Tonight, round two doesn't start till tomorrow, where they have three more picks. 
All right, uh, into basketball. I think you're right, Jesse. I think it was really just Amin El Hassan who, for whatever reason, I mean, if you know Monty Williams, and he does, like it was just such a strange take to be like, yeah, Monty went into the locker room of the Bucks post game to get a little attention on himself. Man, that is not Monty Williams at all. Yeah, Amin had a bad finals. He had a rough finals. I don't know if you heard him say, the Bucks are done. They can't adjust at all. And then they win four <laughs> games in that. a row. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, he's just he's just out there. He's talking. He's saying things. You know, I don't know if he's thinking before he's saying things. I love Amin. I, I, I love uh, the show that he's on. So just, you know, he's just got to take a couple deep breaths and just be like, yo, like, you know, it's just 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 hold it back. Just just not stop with the hot takes as much. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm a big Amin fan. Uh, I'm a bigger Monty fan though, <laughs> and uh, that that game was tough for a lot of reasons for Suns fans because even if you thought it was inevitable after they went down three two, and I didn't, I still thought in the third quarter of that game, you know, this is winnable, and if you win Game Six, probably winning Game Seven, but uh, obviously did not play out that way for the Suns. But uh, it was still tough to watch Monty Williams. I said this the other day. It was tough to see Monty Williams in the post-game press conference because you knew there was a pretty good chance he might have the emotional reaction that he did. And it was it was tough to see Booker in the middle of all the chaos just kind of look around, see the Bucks celebrating, and just be like, man, all right. Like You could tell that was the moment for the first time that it sunk in for Devin Booker, they were actually going to lose that game. Because, look, you're a competitor like Devin Booker. You still believe you're going to win the championship with two minutes left in the fourth quarter of that game. But uh, So Monty Williams, it was tough in the post-game press conference. What was cool is he went into the Bucks locker room and he kind of talked to the team for a second. Everybody saw the clip. It was, it was like everybody's favorite moment after that game. And then, yes, Amin El-Hassan brought it up the other day and said, yeah, it kind of seemed like a look-at-me moment. Uh, Malika Andrews of ESPN tweeted out, from the cutting room floor of our Sports Center conversation, Giannis discusses his uh, this moment that Suns head coach Monty Williams had with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and here's the audio of it. It was an amazing moment. He, he came up to me and, um, you know, told me congrats, and he's a great coach. He, he, he got the best out of his team. You know, and um, and you could see he he said it that you know that they've never been there before, yeah. and that we were, but we wasn't, we've never been here before in the NBA finals, but we've played in the playoffs since Eastern Conference finals, which had a little bit of experience. But I felt like the right thing to do was to take him in the locker room, and allow him to you know, you know, talk to the team because I think he wanted to talk to the team, but he didn't want to stop the celebration. Did you invite him? Yes, I, I walked. I walked in with him in the locker room. So you know, I had the people stop the music and stop the champagne, and he was able to talk to the team and congratulate us. We congratulate him too, and um, then wish him luck. And I told him, I said, I feel like there's a good chance we might run it back next year. So he has a great team, and we have a great team. But that's too far away. I can't be thinking about that. It's uh, yeah, it is too far away. Um... I mean, Giannis and Monty Williams come out of those finals as two of the most likable people in the NBA, which 
And look, I get if you're a Suns fan, you're sick of hearing about Giannis. If you're a Bucks fan, you probably don't have that much interest in Monty Williams. But if you're just an NBA fan, how do you come away from that series with, with nothing but the most respect for those two guys? And if Monty Williams had burst in to their celebration and had that conversation with them, it's, it's not like he was in there for 45 minutes. It was like a minute. I'd still have a ton of respect for him. But the fact that he was kind of like, hey, I'm going to talk to Giannis. And you heard Giannis describe it right there. Like, yeah, you could tell he kind of wanted to talk to the team, but he didn't want to like force his way into our celebration. So then Giannis, also a class act, brings him in. I wonder how that conversation, like if Giannis just walks in, he's like, turn the music off. I scored 50 points tonight. I'm the reason we're one. We won this game. Listen to Monty Williams. Uh, yeah, just an interesting um, and, and a cool moment at the end of the playoffs. Interesting to hear Giannis's perspective on it because you don't typically see the losing coach go into the winning team's locker room. It'd be classy if the winning coach went into the losing team's locker room. But to me, it shows a lot of grace if you just lost and it's your most important professional moment of your career. And as much as I think the Suns will be back within a year or two knocking on the door, you don't know that for sure. So I thought it showed a lot of grace and class by Monty Williams, and, and as it turns out, a lot by Giannis there as well. Yeah, so the Olympics officially got underway. Jesse, I haven't checked in the last 20 minutes. They haven't been canceled or anything, right? They, Not as of yet. They kind of threw that out there earlier this week where they're like, yeah, we might just cancel them at the last second. So that was a lot of people in that stadium this morning, even though there were no fans. I was like, okay, all right, hope this is okay. Yeah. But really, hey, it, really, was, it was a nice opening ceremony. I got to say, I, I very much enjoyed it. It was. I did too. I thought we were going to be past this point where we had to worry about people gathering, but that's a different show. Um, Devin Booker, though, is going to be there for Team USA. He's there with Drew Holiday. He's there with Chris Middleton. I wanted to get your thoughts on this first, Jesse, because, well, just go ahead and give me your opinion. I don't, I don't want to paraphrase what you told me before. As, just in, in terms of Booker going and playing. Okay, so there's been so much basketball played over the past year, and I know that Devin Booker is a young man. He is only 24 years old. But you think about it. They played eight games in the bubble, plus some tune-up games. Then they played some preseason games after a pretty short off season, And then they went all the way to the finals, played six games in the finals. They played three six-game series in the NBA playoffs. And now he's really only going to have a seven-week off season. So, you know what? He's got a little bit of an injury history. I would prefer for him to not be playing in these Olympics. And I know that's kind of unpopular. And, you know, I, I love watching Devin Booker play, and I'm excited to watch him in the Olympics. But do I think he should be there? No. Yeah, I wonder how many Suns fans might feel the same way. I mean, if I'm Devin Booker, originally I'm I'm certainly accepting the offer to go because it's Team USA. You figure you're probably going to win a gold. And at the time, it's like, hey, I could, I could win the Larry O'Brien trophy on July 20th or 22nd and then be winning Olympic gold less than a month later. 100%. I'm doing that if I'm Devin Booker. You know, then things change a little bit. You don't win the uh, the NBA title, so that's still obviously your main focus. I don't think going to the Olympics prevents him from you know being dialed in and ready to go at the start of next season. If I'm Booker, I'm still going. But you also have to add in the fact that he got his nose busted, and then it felt like he got hit in the nose like every 12 minutes after he got his nose busted. Like Once he took the mask off, he got hit in the face a ton. So I don't want to say I'm surprised that he's going. 
but it's it's just it's not the same as when he originally accepted and it was like yeah you know pretty much 100% and um you know of course Devin Booker's still young he's going to play as many games as he can but it's going to be a short off season cuz he's going to get done what like late August he'll get back and training camp for the Suns opens like mid October early October yeah something like that and you know it's it's just going to be a, a short off season and we kind of saw how the short off season affected you know Guys like Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler and even LeBron this year. Yeah, I, I I don't think it'll affect Booker. I mean, there's no way to know for sure. But if you told me, okay, here's Anthony Davis, here's Devin Booker, which one is going to be hurt more by a short offseason, I would lean Anthony Davis because he's really got an injury history. Or even a player like LeBron or certainly a guy like Kawhi uh, who's got an injury history. LeBron doesn't have an injury history, but he's he's been in the league so long and he's played so many additional playoff games. So, you know, at the moment, it, to me, it just makes the Olympics more watchable. Like, I want to see how Devin Booker plays. I kind of want to see Booker and Drew Holiday in the same backcourt for a second just to see how those two uh, work <laughs> together. But, yeah, I do wonder if maybe if they have to... Like, load management is too strong, but just if they have to manage his minutes a little bit differently at the start of next season. Because make no mistake about it, for the Suns, the goal next year is NBA title. You were two years, two wins away from it. I'm anti load management in like sitting out games. Yes, I am. But too. because I think that takes you out of your rhythm and it's weird to stop and start for your body. I'm not a doctor, but I, I just think that's how it is. Giannis has played like 32 minutes a game at, at a game at times. And I think that's the way to do it where you play every game, but you don't play as many minutes. But you don't grind. Yeah. yeah, you don't grind 40, 44 minutes. You don't. Do the Tom Thibodeau uh, 48 minutes of Jimmy Butler every night. Yeah, and, and I mean, the Suns without Devin Booker, we don't know, obviously, what's uh, what the future holds for Chris Paul. I mean, they need Devin Booker out there to win games. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Like, you know, still try and play 82 games or maybe 80. Maybe you said a couple at the end of the year or whatever. But uh, but maybe just don't have to play a ton of minutes at the start of the year. Or maybe he's fine. Maybe he's Devin Booker and it's it's not... It's not going to be an issue for him. But, uh, yeah, game one for Team USA, I don't know for sure if Booker's going to play in game one, but, I mean, I think he flew over there for a reason, is uh, is Friday morning here. That's going to be really fun with these Olympics, too. Like, the game is technically Monday, but somehow it's Friday here, or it's like a 16-hour difference. So, anyway, USA-France on Sunday. When we come back, we're going to hear from Lorenzo Alexander, very tied to the Players Union, get his thoughts on what exactly the new policy in the NFL means, potentially, hypothetically, for individuals and teams going forward. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Cardinals training camp opens next week, Tuesday. So football's basically here. Uh, of course, we had the DeAndre Hopkins tweet and then deleted tweet and then uh, later on uh, tweeting something else on, what was that, Wednesday? That was yesterday. My God, that was only yesterday. Yeah, that was long only... Long week, Luke. <laughs> long, like, 24 hours. That could be your new nickname, Long Week Luke. I kind of like that. Especially if you can make Long Week one word so they still have the alliteration going on there. <laughs> long Week Luke. Uh, yeah, so that was just yesterday. The NFL had informed the teams of their new policy where if there is a COVID-19 breakout among unvaccinated players on a team and that you know means they can't play the game, then they may 
They may uh, force that team to forfeit. There's a lot of nuance to this. Uh, we talked about this earlier. I was on with Bickley and Murata for a little bit. I mean, I'm of the belief it's never actually going to happen. They didn't cancel any games last season. You obviously can't predict everything when you're you're dealing with a virus and science. But, I mean, the NFL's. I didn't take that yesterday as, hey, if anything goes wrong, we're just going to make teams forfeit. It was more like that's a last resort. But, you know, it's a, it's a potentially divisive comment. And so, or policy, it's not even just a comment. It's like the actual rule now. Lorenzo Alexander, who is a two-time Pro Bowler and the NFLPA vice president, so he has a pretty interesting perspective on this, was on with Doug and Wolf this morning. Here's part of that interview. So good morning. I, I want to say first, uh, I, I want to introduce you the same way I've done a couple other guests this week. We have a new co-host to the Doug and Wolf show. His name's Ron, if you'd like, if you don't hey, mind me introducing Hey, my man Wolf, what's going on, brother? What's up, Zoe, man? How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. I'm uh, sad I got to, I didn't get to catch you this week uh, when I came in earlier. I know, man. I'm so sorry about that. Hope you're doing well, bro. Yeah, family's good. I hope we, you as well. That's uh, cool of you, Zoe. I, 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 we're struggling today. We'll admit it openly. Uh, yeah. we're, we're really struggling with something. Of, of we're, we're in a weird spot as talk show hosts in which we're giving our opinions about a man's desire to win based on his desire to be vaccinated. But Michael Irvin started it, and I admit, I, I, I agree with him, and I don't mind if somebody struggles with talking about it because I right. or hearing me say that because I struggle talking about it. But he says... It leads to winning to get vaccinated. And DeAndre Hopkins had a very poignant tweet that that is really difficult. So for listeners that haven't heard it, never thought I would say this, but being put in a position to hurt my team because I don't want to partake in the vaccine is making me question my future in the at NFL. He did delete the tweet. So I got two questions for you. A, as a former player, How do you feel about a guy in the locker room not getting vaccinated that could cost you money and playoffs and a championship? And how does the, if you don't mind representing the group that you represent, the NFL Players Association as a vice president, what's their involvement in the NFL kind of dropping the hammer this week saying forfeits could happen and you'll lose game checks? Well, I guess I'll answer the latter first. That was the same protocol or same implementation that was a part of last year as well. Mm. Um, that was something if, if a game got canceled last season, that guys wouldn't have gotten paid mm-hmm. and they made a, you know, a great effort to make everything work. And we obviously play every single game, but this is not like a new, um, uh, um, implication or ruling that they just dropped all of a sudden. I think the way and the tone that they dropped it in made it feel like it was something new and something different and trying to pit player versus player in the sense of, if you don't, if a, if an unvaccinated player is patient zero essentially and spreads it enough for the team to get infected and you miss games, then there's an issue. So now you have all the eyes to the people that say that they're they're unvaccinated or don't plan on getting vaccinated. Anybody's maybe looking at them as a bad teammate um, or whatnot, which is neither here nor there in my mind because every man has to make a decision for them and their and their family based on what they believe and their health and, and that's just the way it is. But if we look at how we how do we play a whole entire NFL season last year with all of the protocols with no vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. So in my mind it's a, it's a it's a owner's move as far as if you are an unvaccinated player, you still get tested at the same rate. If you're vaccinated, I believe it's like a, a one or two days a week. Mm-hmm. So there's a cost value there, right? Yep. Owners are about the cost. Number two, uh, owners and business people in general are always about minimizing the risk, right? So I don't think teams will 
cancel games because that's money out of their pocket. But they're trying to minimize the risk of that potentially happening because a player decides they don't want to get vaccinated. And so they try to put more punitive damages on the team, right? So now you're getting not only your your teammates may be looking at you, now you have the organization trying to manipulate you to get something. And it really comes down to those two things to me, you know, trying to minimize the risk um, as far as having to, to reschedule games. Cause I guarantee you they're going to still do it. You know, it's July and they're making it seem like we're standing on the hill. But when it comes push to shove and it's, let's say it's a, a Kansas, I don't know what the, 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 the games are this year, but let's say it's, it's Tampa Bay versus uh, the chiefs. You think they're not going to play that game? They're no. going to try a way to get that game in. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, and then also they're trying to um, recoup some of the cost or remove some of the cost coming out of a pandemic. Right. Having to pay for all of these tests for the unvaccinated players because it's okay. still daily for them. Yeah. So, okay. so this, is, this is really interesting to me to be, because last year, 2020, during the pandemic right there, we, I think we all understood exactly why the NFL and the NFLPA came together and said, yeah, you know what, if a game is canceled, we're not going to get paid. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. You know, we, we all understood that now. So was that policy extended to this season? Was, was there a discussion about that policy being extended to this season, uh, was, this season yeah. as well? I think it was just part of the protocols. We haven't had a, like an extension of an agreement. It was just, you know, during this pandemic. And I think it's, it's like that just generally. If you miss a game or forfeit a game, guys don't get paid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have an external factor of, of creating that issue now. Um, and, every, you know, you're just trying to control what you can control, but you can't control another human's being decision or whether or not of what they want to put in their in their body. And so you can use the manipulation tactics, what they're trying to do, or obviously make it more punitive or make uh, the life of an unvaccinated player that more much more advantageous that you try to, you know, convince a player to get vaccinated. But at the end of the day, if you have some of these guys that are, are very outspoken, you know, you have obviously a, 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 a Cole Beasley, you have uh, a hop that's, I don't think is vaccinated either. If they're standing on the hill because they believe a certain way and think a certain thing, all that other stuff is not going to matter. It's not going to shift you, right? I'm a Christian. That's the core of my value. You can yeah. offer me all this money, all this advantageous stuff over here. doesn't mean that I'm a, uh, denounce God and start going Amen. over there because it's better, right? Amen, so those are, that's the same type of conviction that these guys have when it comes to the vaccine based on what they're studying. Now, they're obviously they're putting a little conundrum because it's not to the same extent as, as your foundation, but it's still a strong conviction because nobody wants to put stuff that they don't quite believe in, they felt was rushed, or maybe they just don't, normally don't get vaccines at all. I mean, I, I don't know why mm-hmm. somebody chooses that. You know, for me, I did get vaccinated. Uh, you know, I'm close to a lot of doctors and medical professionals that are close to the process that I trust. Right. So I'm using some of my trust with those relationships to say, OK, I'm, I'm comfortable with doing it and, and reading some of the stuff. But I don't understand that stuff. Nobody really does. You have to have a doctor. Explain <laughs> and some it of them you, right? don't understand it right, right? now. To yeah. be honest. So you have to go off of some of his faith, some of his trust with some of your 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 doctors that are close. And then you make a decision. And some people are on a agree. Some people aren't. And then you have to find a way to, to navigate, obviously, the NFL world. And then you may you may have to live with potentially being player zero and letting your teammates down. But you're not going to shift your convictions just because of some of this extra, you know, arm twisting that the league is trying to put on you. This is uh, Lorenzo Alexander, frequent guest of the Duggan Wolf Show, former Cardinals linebacker and an NFLPA vice president. So I, I, I tell you. I I don't like talking about this topic in an individual standpoint about yeah. Cole Beasley and D Hop, but I I do agree with Michael Irvin in one sense of 
you look at the protocols simply put of close contact with somebody that tests positive. If I'm vaccinated as a football player and I come in close contact, absolutely nothing changes for me whatsoever. If if I am not vaccinated, I'm done for five days and I have to keep testing negative before I'm allowed in. And if I get a positive test, vaccinated guy, show me two negatives and with a 24-hour gap in between your back. You probably don't miss a game unvaccinated player, you're out for 10 days, that's it. Now, I'm not blasting anybody in the NFL or the NFLPA for the protocols, but that does seem like being vaccinated gives you a better chance to play, which therefore gives you a better chance to win. So am I wrong for making the connection? A vaccinated player has a better chance of helping his team win. Yes. Yeah. I mean, of course. I'm not trying to trap you. Yeah, but that's no, kinda, I know you're not. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. Yes, you do. I mean, I mean, because you have to. You, you can be. You can let your your guards down a little bit, right? You can be a little bit more free in what yeah. you do. Yeah. Okay. If you're still vaccinated, you still have to be very on guard and be very uh, aware of what you're doing. You know, obviously, if you're married and have kids, you know, are they in school? What are they doing? And you have to. But you you are aware of those consequences. I don't think any of these guys, I mean, I've been around Cole. I know him. He's a very intelligent dude, right? So all these guys that feel a certain way, they're not like oblivious, like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. They understand <laughs> the consequences and, and and the weight of their decision, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's for them and their family. They and obviously they play in a team. Right. Yes, they play in a team atmosphere, right? We all part of a team, right? Doug, you go to work every day. You would have to make that decision on whether or not you would want to wear a mask right now. Did you get vaccinated or you didn't? Why didn't you? Why? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it depends on each person. And so, obviously, some of the, the stars haven't gotten vaccinated, so they're going to get a lot more attention. But there's a lot of other guys that probably have yes. decided not to get vaccinated as well. And so it's just a decision. And we can see that football is always a microcosm of society. It's a ton of people out here walking around with no mask that hasn't been vaccinated, right? Yes. Yep. It's a ton of people. They, and they've made their decision for whatever reason. And I respect it. That's you. Okay. That's what you so decide I've, to do. I've, this is what I'm doing. I've mm-hmm. got to ask you this before you leave right here, okay? How do you think Vax players are looking at non-Vax players? How do you think I, they're looking at them? I think they're looking at them at the normal way. I mean, because it's a relationship there, right? And so it's not like this guy over there and I'm over here. I know this dude. He's probably explained it to me, and I have to respect it. Now, if it's like a, a dumb reason and he hasn't really done any of the research, I'm like, come on, dude. Really? <laughs> so that's – and I think I like and, and a lot of people do that too, right? They give you this dumb, very superficial because you saw something, but how, how far – much further did you go on either side? Did you do some research mm-hmm. and really understand on either side of how you convicted about it versus just saying whatever, you know, your social group or your political party or whatever your friends on Facebook have said? How, how much further have you done versus just being lazy and just kind of doing that? So if it's an in-depth, like, answer and I can see, okay, this dude is really convicted, I, I got to respect you. If it's like, uh, because Cole Beasley said it, then I'm not, I'm not down with that. Lorenzo Alexander on with Doug and Wolf this morning. He's on a lot with uh, with Doug and Wolf. Uh, he was uh, on this afternoon actually with Bickley and Murata as well. So you can find all those interviews on ArizonaSports.com. It is uh, certainly a hot button issue, and it's you know it's going to stay that way with training camps opening next week and the NFL season starting in a little over a month. We come back. We'll get into uh, the DeAndre Hopkins stuff yesterday. Also, college football and the uh, the shuffling that could be happening right there. How it might impact the Pac-12 actually, or how maybe how it should impact the Pac-12. That's next. It's the rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The rundown. 
98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here with you, Jesse Morrison behind the glass, of course, because it is hour number two. It is time now for the Rundown Reload. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. All right, today's uh, top stories as we head into the weekend. I'm going to let Jesse take control here. All righty, Luke. So, the top story, of course, is the Coyotes trade and draft pick. Um, They dealt Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland to the Vancouver Canucks for the number nine pick in the 2021 NHL draft, which they made just a few moments ago. Uh, and then they got Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, former Washington Capital, uh, Stanley Cup champion, uh, Antoine Roussel, uh, and a 2022 second-round pick and 2023 seventh-round pick. So a big trade for the Coyotes. You had to throw in that uh, that Washington Capital Stanley Cup, didn't you? With of course. Jay Beagle. Yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot he was on that team. Honestly, I forgot about him in general until today. I was like, wow. Jay Beagle, that's a name. He's back. He's back. Uh, I forget about those players that go to Vancouver and just kind of wallow away. Yeah, that's that's happened to a few of these guys lately. I don't think it's going to happen for Connor Garland. I actually think Oliver ekman Larson's going to be better there than he's been here the last couple years. Look, you know, the last couple years from OEL have not been amazing. Let's not lose sight of the fact that he was one of the best young defensemen in the league for a while. He just, for whatever reason, it looked like he got to the precipice of like, this guy's really good. He's progressing at or ahead of schedule as a first-round pick for the longest time. He, you know, he was out there. You throw him out there against uh, Alex Ovechkin or Connor McDavid, and he would actually slow those guys down. He never took the next step, though, and then he started to take steps backwards. Uh, I'm a big Rick Tockett fan, but those two just did not seem to fit system-wise or whatever. And, and look, when you're a top-pairing defenseman, you're asked to do everything. People look at your stats and they're like, oh, you're not scoring enough. Well, yeah, I mean, you're out there against Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon and all the best players. But uh, but he did take a step back, and I, I, do, um, I do wonder what he's going to do in Vancouver because they're not going to ask him to be the captain. They're probably not going to ask him to be on the top pairing necessarily out of the gate. So this could be a trade where both sides win. Vancouver, I think, will get OEL at sort of, uh, you know, you're buying low on him. You're still paying a lot of money to him, though, for the next six years. So they need to get something. Connor Garland is, that's a tough one for the Coyotes to lose. But the Coyotes get out from under that contract for uh, OEL, which is what they were trying to do. They do have to pay some of it. They do. A $1.2 million a year for each of the next six years. But Vancouver's not still got to pay the other seven. Um, they get the number nine overall pick in the draft. They already used it tonight on uh, Dylan Gunther, a right wing, who's a, a pretty well-rounded forward. Scouting's been off the last year for all teams, but uh, but I saw a lot of mock drafts that had him going top five. So they get him at nine. This morning, they didn't even have a first-round pick. Steal so. of the draft. Steal uh, of the that's draft. That's what we're going to call it, steal of the draft. Some 18-year-old kid I just heard of who played junior hockey for 12 games, but you know what? Steal of the draft, Luke. They get another second-round pick next year. That gives them five next year, and then they get a seventh-rounder in 2023. Probably not high expectations for that seventh-round pick, but Bill Armstrong has now amassed eight second-round picks tomorrow and next year, and if you're rebuilding, you got to have those picks. Cool. Love it. All right, so our number two story of the day is the Diamondbacks. They got their 
four-game winning streak snapped by the Cubs. They seem to just always play the Cubs these days. It was one of those Friday day games at Wrigley Field. They're very romanticized in baseball. Uh, and, yes, they lost 8-3 to three in that game. Zach Gallen gave up seven runs in four innings. Yeah, it's got to be... That's got to be one of Zach Allen's worst games ever, right? I mean, statistically, yeah. I don't. The guy never gives up runs. Last year, he wasn't giving up runs. He just wasn't getting run support. The year before, yeah. I mean, I don't remember a time where he's ever given up that many runs in a game. The uh, the D backs take the hit. They were, if they could have won today, it would have been a five game winning streak, which I know doesn't win you the World Series, but it would have been their first five game winning streak of the season. Instead, they, they just fell behind early. Javier Baez had a three-run home run. Robinson Chirinos had a couple home runs in that one for, uh, for the Cubs. Uh, Dalton Varsho, decent day for the D-backs. Three RBI, drove in all the runs. But, um, yeah, back to the drawing board for that, uh, that five-game winning streak. Got to start over tomorrow. All right, our number three story uh, is a story from yesterday where DeAndre Hopkins uh, sort of kind of threatened to retire um, on his Twitter page, the tweet has since been deleted um, due to the NFL's um, requiring of, not really requiring of vaccinations, but just, you know, promoting vaccinations for COVID-19 by saying, hey, if it's an outbreak on a team caused by an unvaccinated player, you could be forced to forfeit that game. And I guess DeAndre Hopkins doesn't want to have that happen to his team and he doesn't want to get the vaccine so he'd rather just retire I guess and I don't know in, in my opinion this is just my opinion and I, I don't you know want to get into this debate with a lot of people but I think it's safe I think he should get the vaccine but that's just my opinion his tweet his, his exact tweet yesterday was and he, like again he's, he's deleted it never thought I would say this but being put in a position to hurt my team because I don't want to partake in the vaccine is making me question my future in the NFL uh, unquote. And then, like I said, he deleted that and then later on came out with a tweet that just said, by the way, I got about nine more years in me. Y'all have a good day. Um, look, I, you know, there's a lot of nuance to this. We played a good chunk of the Lorenzo Alexander interview earlier in the show where he kind of gave the perspective of like, is this something that might drive a divide in locker rooms this season? We're just going to have to wait and see, right? I mean, if a team has to actually forfeit a game because they don't have enough guys vaccinated, okay, then then you might see, you're going to see a rift, right? I mean, can you imagine if imagine if a team actually missed the playoffs because instead of going 10-7, and 7, they went 9-8 and 8 and they missed the playoffs because they had to forfeit a game because not enough players were vaccinated? Okay. Yeah, and I think... The- it's going to get heated then, but I, it's not going to I don't think we're going to get to that point. We didn't have any forfeits or canceled games last season. Yeah, and but I do think that this year the NFL is going to be much less apt to play a game on a Wednesday just because that was a big, you know... Just, yeah. They that had to was do a bunch of stuff. And I, wasn't Wednesday it, at like 2. Yeah, it was on <laughs> Wednesday at like 2. It was so weird. Wasn't there like a dog show or something that like superseded oh, I remember the NFL? That. I remember that. That, yeah. was, that was weird, but... Uh, well, yeah. and that that should have been. I mean, that particular game was the Steelers and Ravens. Like, yeah, should have been one of their premier been on games. Thanksgiving yeah. Day at eight twenty p.m. So, yeah, I think they're going to be less apt to do that kind of thing this year, um, even with the money. Well, involved. it's it's going to get ugly though if they force the team to forfeit a game. But we'll see. I, I don't we'll think see. that's going to happen. Yeah. we'll see. We'll see. All right, the number four story is the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday celebrated the title that they won against the Suns on Tuesday with a parade. Yeah, good for them. 
<laughs> I got nothing bad to say about Milwaukee, but I I don't I'm not I'm not real uh, necessarily happy for them. So if if the Suns had won, I guess the parade probably would have been tomorrow. Like it literally would have rained on our parade if it was today. <laughs> it rained all that day. That would have been so Phoenix for <laughs> really? that really would have been so Phoenix for like the one time it decides to rain here, yeah. which it's been an exceptionally rainy summer for whatever reason. But it it has rained since last night. It's it been raining really for 24 has. hours. It just needs which is to unheard. stop. Yeah. Um can it why can't it just rain from inside the ground? Like why does rain have to fall? What? Like <laughs> what like are you talking like about? why can't why can't the water come from the center of the earth and just like be like, where would it go? Into the soil. You don't like rain? I love rain. I, you're from here. I'm not from here. I'm from Seattle. Are you? Yeah. I thought you were. You lived a majority of your life here. I have. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So See, maybe then, that's then why. Yeah. Then you, you missed like that little tiny tidbit of your life that you had back in uh, Seattle. But uh, we have one more story, okay. real quick. Uh, Booker is headed to Tokyo with his. Uh, Favorite teammates, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Yeah, uh, we talked about this earlier. That's got to be an awkward flight. It was going to be awkward either way, whether the Suns won or the Bucks won. It was going to be awkward for somebody. I like the Booker comment the other day of, you know, it's competition. If you understand competition, yeah, they've been, they've been enemies for the last two weeks. But there's a, a mutual respect there. And now they're teammates. And your teammates representing your country in a very crazy backdrop to the Olympics, so like, I mean, you never know how many opportunities you're going to get to be an Olympian. Some of these guys get a few. Booker may very well be in line to go again in four years, and four years after that if he wants, but you got a chance to win a gold medal. You, you'll you put your differences aside, especially because it never got, it never got like dirty between Booker and Chris Middleton, or even Booker and Drew Holiday. I will say, though, it's like breaking up with somebody and then sitting next to them on a, on, on the plane. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing Devin Booker's kind of sick of seeing Drew Holiday, right? Like, he probably doesn't want to spend a 16-hour flight with Drew Holiday. Yeah, he probably bought one of those sleep masks and is just, <laughs> you know, just sleeping the whole time. You know, not trying, you know, icing the nose, probably. Yeah. You know, you know, it's just like, I, I, I know it's not this, but I'm picturing them on like a commercial flight and there's 300 people on the flight and Booker ends up next to Drew Holiday, like with middle seat, middle seat Booker, between, Holl- between Holiday and Middleton. Middleton. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We haven't done a top five list. Or a bottom five list in a long time. We have Luke Lipinski here with you, Jesse Morrison behind the glass, Craig Morgan of AZ Coyotes Insider is going to call in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk about all the stuff the Coyotes just did today and uh, maybe even a little arena talk too. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll get into that. But right now we're going to do top five. I'll take the top five. I'm going to be the positive influence on this show. Jesse's going to go with the five worst. Yeah. Sports names, like not player names, but like team names, like the Milwaukee Brewers. You know what That's I mean? That's a great name. Yeah. That, that name works perfectly for the city of Milwaukee. I just wish that their mascot would actually go into beer like he used to. So, so the genesis of this uh, idea was because Cleveland's baseball team is going to be the Cleveland Guardians going forward. I'm not going to ask for your opinion, Jesse, because I don't know if it's going to end up on your list or whatever. I will say I don't mind the name Cleveland Guardians. I don't know about the logo. Maybe I saw it from a weird angle. I mean, it's two-dimensional, so I don't know how I could have seen it from a weird angle, but maybe I did. 
But uh, okay, so here we go. So I'm counting up from five to one. You are counting from fifth worst to absolute worst. These are team names in. We're just going just so this isn't 9,000 different teams. We're just going NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. I will go. You want me to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, let's start off on a positive note. You're going to hate this one, but that's what I'm going with. Number five, the Pittsburgh Penguins. There is a... uh, That's a good name for a hockey team. Well, and there's going to be a recurring theme, I think, in mine, that I tried to pick teams. Like, I don't like it when two different teams have the same name. You know what I mean? Like Winnipeg Jets, New York Jets, Arizona Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals. I I tried to stay away from that. Penguins, pretty unique. I don't know of a lot of uh, colleges even that have that. And there's alliteration. And like you said, it fits for hockey. So that's my number five. All right. Well, my number five is the Los Angeles Lakers because they play near the beach and the ocean. (laughs) They used to be in Minneapolis, which makes sense. But, like, when you move to, like, sunny Southern California, maybe drop the name Lakers. I get the alliteration there, but, like, like they should be, like, the Los Angeles Beachers. (laughs) I think... I agree with you up until you said L.A. Beachers. Or that the might Los actually Angeles be worse. Oceaners. Oceaners. Okay. Well, this is not getting. They're any all better. bad, but like they're better than that. Uh, I I like that that's uh, that grading scale you're using, and it makes me wonder if another team's going to be on your list. But I will bring that up afterwards. Uh, number four on my list, just a classic, and and maybe it's just because it's been around forever, and just the imagery it conjures up. And I'm not a fan of this team, but New York Yankees, I just feel like that's got to be on the list. It's it's just steeped in tradition, and maybe that is influencing my pick. But I'm gonna have that at number four. All right, well, another one for me that doesn't make much sense because it is a relocated franchise. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. There's not really grizzly bears in Memphis. They're, they're black bears in Memphis. Your, your list is based on geographic accuracy. It's just, it's, it's just dumb to go to a game in Memphis and watch the Grizzlies. Like, it's just stupid. Like, change the name to like, I don't, I don't know what Memphis could be, but. Something better than a bear that's not native to the state. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if there's anything on my list. Like, are we going to intersect at any point here? But I, I don't think so. I think everything else I have is, uh, is is legit. Technically, there aren't any penguins in Pittsburgh, I don't believe. Maybe at the zoo. Yeah, but but it works for But hockey. it makes, yeah, yeah, it makes like, sense for yeah. hockey. Um, and it's not like they're everywhere except Pittsburgh. Number three on my list, Chicago Bulls. I don't know why. Also not a fan of that team. There's not a lot of... Like, I guess there's... There's a big, like, cattle auction in Chicago. Yeah. But I'm just trying to think, like, are there any... Are bulls, like, a mascot in college? There's not... South I mean, There's Florida. a couple, yeah. And, like, the, the Toros. Yeah. I'm, Chicago Bulls, number three on my list. All right. Well, number three on my list is uh, the Cleveland Guardians. They had <laughs> spiders in their back pocket. It was a great name back in like the 1880s, but what? nope, we're, we're just going to go with the Guardians. So I'm just going to call them the Cleveland Deans. That's going to get confusing. Well, I mean, it's just, they just, they just were like, what's kind of close to our old name? Okay, Guardians. I don't mind the name, but is there, I'm, I'm looking up the logo right now to see if there's a, I, I don't love the logo at the all. With like the wings on it? Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. why. I maybe there's like maybe there's a story to it or something, and it has like, me, like significance. Uh, like Cupid vibes. 
Yeah, somebody somebody tweeted out like the picture of the uh, toaster with the wings. Um, I don't know. I don't know about the logo. It's very blocky, which you don't necessarily typically expect from a baseball team, but whatever. Uh, okay, so that's number three on your list. Number two for the best team names in sports. I'm going with the Phoenix Suns. Ah, that's a good one. I do. I love that. Uh, I love that name. Very obviously fitting of the area, even though today there was no sun all day. But the other 364 days this year, there's been sun all day. Uh, yeah, just very fitting. Again, classic. You don't necessarily think of the local teams as like classic and steeped in, you know, timeless tradition. But the Suns fit into that category because they've been here the longest and, uh, and they've got some history. And hey, they were just in the finals like four days ago. Yeah, I really like. I mean, the Cardinals are a, a team steeped in tradition from other cities, and so, like, I kind of understand why they kept their name. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have a problem with the Cardinals but, the way a lot of people do. Uh, Phoenix Suns, Phoenix Mercury, Arizona State Sun Devils, yeah. uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, Arizona Coyotes. They're all great names for this region. All right, well, uh, my number two worst team name is the Cleveland Browns. It's just a dude's last name. <laughs> who, who spent most of his time in the other, with the other franchise in the in the, the state of Ohio? Not uh, not a lot of love for the city of Cleveland coming from Jesse Morrison today. I love Cleveland actually. It's not as bad as everybody says it is. But not bad teams. team names. Okay, that's fair. Uh, number one on my list, and this only, I mean they they haven't been around as long as the other teams in their sport. I'm surprised it took until the 90s for this to be a team name, but the San Jose Sharks. How is Shark not, like, that's, like, one of the most, like, intense animal. How is that not a mascot before that? Yeah, and my dad and I were talking about this yesterday, uh, how we don't really watch Shark Week, Mm -hmm. but we just like the idea that there is a Shark Week. (laughs) Just knowing that it's going on. Just knowing that it's going on is just, it's kind of comforting in a scary, weird way. The last time I was at the beach, and I'm not even kidding with you, you know those those planes that fly over with like banner ads behind them they had yeah. a banner for shark week oh that's awesome as we're all standing at the beach oh i, I <laughs> people uh, are like in the water i had to evacuate during a shark attack at myrtle beach in south carolina in 2002 did you really yeah my that dad, was when you were playing hockey on, saw, on cd-rom my, it was my dad saw the uh he saw the dorsal fin apparently oh yeah he was that close yeah, all right yeah <laughs> no thank you all right well my number one worst team name is the of course Utah Jazz. Okay, I was... It's the worst ever. <laughs> like no, nothing sc- screams jazz less than the state of Utah and it was such a great name in New Orleans and now New Orleans has a team that I strongly considered for this list the Pelicans and yeah. which is just I mean I know that all I can think of is like the pelican that would fly into the window in Finding Nemo. <laughs> I don't think of like something intimidating that's going to come out and you know drop 150 and beat my beat my team up by 40 points. I think of a bird flying into a window. It's it's either the bird flying into the window or Zion Williamson's former team in like six months. However you want to look at it. <laughs> All right, so those are our. Once you said that you were going with like that, you hated the inaccuracy of like the LA Lakers. I was hoping you would have the Utah Jazz yes, on your list. It's, it's the worst named team in sports. It, it's not fitting of, of where they are at all, and that's true. Arizona, a very unique state. Obviously, sometimes we take it for granted because we live here, but it was relatively easy for all the sports teams here to come up with something that's 
unique just to Arizona. Like, you're not going to have in Minnesota or, you know, wherever. All right. That was top five and bottom five list. There, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show with some hockey talk. Craig Morgan joins us next to try and make sense of what the Coyotes have done in the last 24 hours. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, final segment of the show. We open the show with hockey, and uh, we're going to get back into it right now. Craig Morgan of AZ Coyotes Insider. You can also hear him on the Natural Hattrick podcast with myself on ArizonaSports.com. Craig, uh, keeping busy today? Yeah, wow. The last couple of days have been insane. Yeah. They've definitely been insane. <laughs> um, and let's. we got to start with the trade from earlier today, the Coyotes. Look, we knew these were both possibilities and, and, and pretty strong possibilities. They were going to trade these guys, especially Oliver Ekman Larson, if they could. They trade Oliver Ekman Larson. They trade Connor Garland. There's a bunch of pieces coming back, including the number nine pick tonight, which they've already used. But from where you're sitting, I mean, what does that do for this organization going forward? Because A, you lose Garland, who was one of your best offensive weapons. B, I know Oliver has not been the same player lately, but you're talking about a guy who holds a lot of your major team records, too. Well, what this does really is position them for what they've been trying to do, and that is a rebuild. They are they are cutting it back. They're trying to acquire draft picks, and they're trying to acquire elite players through the draft. They they believe they got one today, and they'll try and get a lot more with the glut of picks that Bill Armstrong has accumulated over the last few days. Look, I don't think he's going to pick all these uh, picks that are in the second round right now. I think he's going to try and package them. Some some of them he'll probably try and move and get another first-round pick next year in what is supposed to be a really stacked draft. It just gives him assets to play with. There was the feeling with this organization that the current group was not going to do anything more than they had achieved, so they're really trying to strip it down. It's tough to see OEL go out the door. He's the last tie to that 2012 Western Conference final team. We both know that he's, he's a really good guy, but his game has slipped significantly over the last few years, and this was considered a really difficult contract to move. Bill got it done. He had to give up Connor Garland to do it. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I hate that because I love covering him. I love talking to him. But this was the price for stripping it down and, and, and setting themselves up for the rebuild. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, you know, covering the team, those are two of the best guys to talk to. Like you said, Oliver is the last one with ties to that 2012 team. And and he was a guy, you and I have talked about this a lot on on the podcast and even just off the air, there was a time where it looked like Oliver Ekman Larson was going to take the next step and be one of the truly elite defensemen in this league and be like a Norris Trophy candidate. And for whatever reason, it just never it never materialized. And instead, he started taking steps backwards. How much of this do you think? I don't want to word this the right way. I don't because I, I, I don't think it was like Rick Tockett's fault. But obviously, those two just never never he never worked well with uh, with what Rick Tockett put out there on the ice and some of that was the pieces around him. Do you think there's a chance Oliver goes to Vancouver and is suddenly kind of uh, experiences a career renaissance? I don't think we're ever going to see the Oliver Ekman Larson of five years ago, but I do think there's a chance at least that he can recapture some of his game. I think a big part of it for Oliver is confidence. You could see it on the ice at times. He even said it. There were some very telling quotes that he gave after games where he said things like, I don't even know what I'm doing out there. Um, I do think that the relationship with, with the coach was a factor. I've had players tell me that it was a factor. And look, I think they got along a lot better near the end. But 
I've had people tell me internally that Oliver is the kind of guy who needs to be made to feel important, maybe even coddled a little bit. And maybe people don't like hearing that, but coaches have to coach to a diff, you know, to a bunch of different personalities. Rick Tockett was not the kind of guy that was going to coddle Oliver Ekman Larson. So I don't think it ever worked from the start. And I don't ever think that he had the confidence playing under Tockett that he had under Dave Tippett. Okay, so the other part of this trade, and like you said, the Coyotes just trying to stockpile as many assets as they can. This is what Bill Armstrong is good at, is, is drafting and scouting. And they get that number nine pick tonight. But the other part is you give up Connor Garland. And in a lot of ways, Connor Garland is the sort of guy you're looking to build around right now. Uh, but that was, like you said, the price of moving away from Oliver's contract and getting more picks. But, I mean, is there a fear that Connor Garland now goes off and has an impressive career somewhere else? Absolutely. Like Danny Briere 2.0. <laughs> There's absolutely that fear because the guy does everything right. It, I, I've written this already. I mean, you, when you talk about what your organization should be, you want to draft guys, you want them to develop, you want them to work hard, do all the things you ask, and then when they're finally ready, come up to the NHL and succeed. That is the Connor Garland story. He is the poster child for that. And he's uber competitive, which I think rubs off in that locker room. He works at it every offseason, has these incredibly detailed offseason plans. He does everything that a pro is supposed to do. So it's really hard to see them saying goodbye to a player like that. Look, Luke, I, I've heard some people say that you, you can't have Clayton Keller, Connor Garland, and Nick Schmaltz all in your top six. It's not enough size. And, and maybe there's something to that. And I, I, I do wonder if they had been able to move Keller or Schmaltz, would they have still moved Garland? I don't know. But it's just hard to watch a player who's one of the most exciting players that has ever put on a Cody Kaye's uniform go out the door. He was electric. You know it. You loved, you loved watching him in the corners. You loved his willingness to go to the net, even despite his size. He did so many things well, and, and I think Vancouver is getting a terrific player in him. Yeah, he plays big, and you and I have talked about this a lot you know, off the air, knowing that this day was probably going to come, but how tough it's going to be to lose a player like that. How about the guy they got? I don't expect you to be an NHL scout, but, but what do they see? And I know you've already got to talk to Dylan Gunther. What, what have you, your early impressions of him? Well, I, again, wait and see on that. I've, I've seen what some of the, the scouts and the draft analysts have said about him. Corey Brahman had him, I think, number two overall in this draft. Uh, there was some surprise. Chris Peters also said he was surprised to see him drop a little bit. Um, because he's a complete player. He's, he, he basically has all the tools. It, I don't know that there's anything right now that stands out as just uber elite, but he does everything well. He's got size. He, he sort of fits the mold of what Bill Armstrong wants this team to be, the mold that he built in St. Louis as well. He's a big kid. He's a scorer. So we'll see how the process goes for his development. We, we know how tricky that can be, especially here covering the Coyotes, but they really like this pick. They were able to trade in and get a number nine pick get back into the first round when we wondered if that would be possible. When you look at what Bill Armstrong has done, Luke, I, I know there's a lot of work to be done, and it's just draft picks right now, so you got to nail a lot of them. But, man, he is, he is executed on his plan so far. He has put himself in position to do the things that he wants to do. Yeah, and this is really his first chance to do that. I mean, he got here last offseason right before the draft, so he couldn't have input on the draft. And last offseason was so weird, he couldn't really put his fingerprints on this team. Now he's getting a chance to do it, and he's he's definitely going all in on it. Uh, Craig, last one. I know you love these questions, but I feel like since we have you on here, what do you make of the stories slash rumors yesterday about the Coyotes at least being interested in a spot in Tempe? Uh, well... 
I had heard about this site before. I, I think I, you, you probably know I wrote about all of this. I had checked into it, and I, I was told that it was dead at the time, but apparently it's been revived. That it, it is real, but look, what I would say is I, I would say proceed with caution on these sorts of things. There's a lot of hurdles to cover, uh, to cross before you can get something like this done. I don't know that this is a particularly good climate in which you want to build an arena. I've heard you know, talk of a, a privately funded arena. I still have doubts that they won't be asking for something from municipalities. And when that happens, things get pretty tricky and you get, you get organizations like the Goldwater Institute involved. So let's just wait and see how this plays out. We've been down this road a lot of times. Craig Morgan, you can find his stuff on azcoyotesinsider.com. Great Coyotes coverage all over all of it. All the stuff that happened today, yesterday, what's going to happen tomorrow, he's all over all of it, so check that out. Craig, thanks for the time, and I know it's been a busy day. We'll talk to you. Well, actually, I'll talk to you on Sunday. Yeah, podcast on Sunday. Thanks, Luke. Sounds good. That's Craig Morgan chiming in on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. That's going to do it for us here tonight. Ended up being a pretty busy Friday. Thanks to Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Thanks to Craig Morgan for calling in. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.